Welcome to the Broski Doodles Podcast, the best podcast in all the land. It's your boy Kiko Flo, Kiko Cervantes. And today I got you with a movie review with the crew. I know it's been a minute. I know it's been a few weeks with no movie reviews, but I got you. I've been on the festivities for the last few weeks. Um, so mainly we've been doing, you know, the regular podcast where we're just shooting the shit. But today I got you with a review. And don't worry, the wait was worth it because the movie I'm reviewing today not only it's a classic, but just a staple in everybody's life. And it, people would say it was a shame that I had not seen this before, but I actually think it was a blessing because, and this is, you'll see what I mean. The movie I'm talking about is Scent of a Woman. And man, I mean, yeah, many of you might be thinking, what are you, you had not seen that movie before? And you know, there's a lot of classics. There's so many movies out there that there's a lot of classics that for one reason or another, I just didn't get to see when I was younger. Um, in the past, some of those have been like The Godfather, Goodfellas, Casino. I mean, there's so many, you know. Um, and now that I'm seeing those movies, I'm just like so excited because I'm almost guaranteed that it's gonna be good in one way or another. And, and this movie didn't disappoint, uh, starring Al Pacino. Um, it's starting this other kid who, uh, Chris O'Donnell, he's, he never really acted much after. Uh, and also Philip Seymour, um, this guy, um, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who actually uh, passed away some years ago. So, you know, rest in peace, he was a fucking G acting he was so good and in this movie he's actually very young so it, it's, it's it's cool to see because you see philip seymour hoffman very young al pacino he, he he's sort of like the young grandpa age but he's still looking very solid and oh man al pacino you know for someone that likes al pacino when you see this movie after so many years it's so refreshing because it's al pacino at his best in this Al Pacino flow, right? Where he's just like, hoo-ha, we're going to New York, let's go, I got a limo, <laughs> this guy. So, to be honest, at times, I, th I thought it was a little too extreme. Like, he was a little bit too, too like, wah, 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 set out, I'm Al Pacino. But, you know, it was fun, I, I fucking loved it. And, and the movie hit you in the feels. You know, when you, when you see these like 90s movies, Sort of like the same feeling of like um, Forrest Gump, where the music is is a lot of like winds and 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 like these scores that are melodic, and they just bring in the emotion. This is what was so important, like the music in a movie. It makes it all, you know. If I saw like I think it was on Netflix. There's a a documentary, like a docu series called The Movies That Made Us. And there, I mean, there's a lot of the, the ones there are, are great because, it, you know, it's, it's sort of like um, they give you an episode telling you what were the difficulties and the pre-work of making the movie. And you will, like, be surprised at how so many box, um, you know, blockbuster movies actually had so many difficulties to be made and almost didn't get made. But um, to the point, Home Alone, if you watch the Home Alone episode of how the, the, your, the movies that made us, you will see that, at, like at the end, they thought they didn't have a movie. They're like, man, this shit kind of sucks. It doesn't have any feeling. And then when the music came, which was a, a super great composer for movie scores. Uh, let me tell you who it was. 
Home Alone composer John Williams. I mean, this guy is like a fucking like this guy has done the music for so many movies. John Williams and Hans Zimmer or Hans Zimmerman. I think they're like the you know the best guys when it comes to to music, you know. But yeah, scoring. People don't really look at this, but the music. And in this in this movie, Scent of a Woman, the music is so important. It's so good. It, it carries the movie. Um, you know, I, I found it to be like like uh, funny, even though it's a serious movie. There's so many funny moments, you know, with the kid just feeling like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with this guy treating me like shit? Like, fuck him, right? Um, but that made it funny. And, you know, it's like this, I don't know if coming of age is the right terminology for it, but it's, it's this type of movies that, that grow on you and carry a message that sort of gets filled throughout the movie, you know? And I mean, and, and, and the whole plot of the movie, the, the basic plot of it is this kid goes to like Baird University, which is like, you know, very prestigious, but he's on a scholarship, so he's not really part of the, of the rich people, you know, crew because he's not really rich he's actually very poor but he got a scholarship that's why he's going there so the richer kids one of them who's philip seymour hoffman you know kind of bothers him and then they do some you know illegal shit or like you know some some prank and you know this guy saw them so now he the main character so now he has to sort of like go through the dilemma of do i snitch on these people I'm not a snitch, but at the same time, like, these are my friends. Like, I didn't do anything, like, because I like, that's the other thing, and the, my only critique with the movie is that they go really hard. <laughs> People are like, well, I thought you fucking love this movie. I really do, but, you know, when we review the movies, I have to, by law. I mean, it's not even something that I want to do. It's just by law, I'm required to look at all the, the, the points, not only the positive, but actually the negatives. It's, it's part of it's, it's my contract as a movie reviewer from the National Associations of, of Reviewers. I need to also find the flaws in the movies, you know, because my expertise and my years of experience can bring help to the, you know, to the system. So that's why, that's why I'm here, right? And the whole, I mean, this is not what makes the movie, but what, what's supposed to carry the movie forward is this plot that the main character saw some fuck kids in the school do some prank on the, on the, you know, the C, what, what was the name of the, the principal of the school? And he saw them, and then he's being asked by, like, the authorities in the school, you know, you gotta tell us who did this. And, he's, and he has this debacle where, like, I'm not a snitch, but also, I don't know these motherfuckers, I'm, I'm not even cool with them, they're like... He kind of knows they're like little dicks, you know? So, they press hard that he doesn't snitch because he ain't no snitch. But it's like, I don't know, I just, it would have been different if he's involved in the thing, right? So I think what would have made, you know, if he like, you know, if Al Pacino and, and the director, you know, call me, you know, which, hey, they, it might happen. They might want to do like a redo, you know, like maybe like a Latino version. Who knows, you know, they're like, hey. We want to be inclusive, we want to make scent of a woman, but Latino version, okay? And the guy's not blind, he's, he's deaf or some shit, you know, like, I don't know. So, if the director, right, the director is, let me tell you who it is, Martin Bress. He's like, yo, Kiko, and I've seen the Broski Duros, I've seen the movie reviews, you guys are killing it out there. I don't know if you have enough time, I know you're a busy guy, Kiko, but what if you and your crew can come in, right? 
and we start working on like a new script for this. And I'm like, hey, for sure. So what I would do is the main character, Chris O'Donnell, Charlie, Charlie, he's involved in the little prank. And he gets involved in a way like, come on, come do it. And him to try to like fit in with the crew, he goes and, and, and does it. So he's with them, but let's say that like, for some reason, he's just like the lookout. So he's not really at the scene of the crime. So he doesn't get caught, but he's asked about it. I could, I could see how he's like, nah, I'm not gonna snitch because like I'm part of this shit that happened. Like I'm gonna go down with it and that's it. That's one thing. But when he's just being asked, like, oh, can you tell us who did this crime? And he wasn't part of the crime and he's not friends with the people. It's almost like, I, I, like, I don't see a strong argument for not saying the truth also, you know. But anyways, you know, I mean, the whole movie relies on that so that at the end, Al Pacino can come and give the speech about, you're out of order, you know, to say like, oh, this kid, he's not going to snitch. Like, if, if Bird is about snitching, he ain't about that shit. And he's like, wait, I mean, he's not like a drug dealer. It's like, it's not about snitching. It's, it's about like just telling the truth. And I don't know. People that, that listen to the review, please comment. Maybe you have a different point of view on it. Maybe you have a point of view where it's like, hey, look, you never tell anybody, ever. And it's like, whoa. Like, let's say you live in a community, right? And you notice that some guy is like robbing a house and you call the cops. Is that snitching? Because, I mean, you're just protecting your community, right? So, I mean, I don't know. But in any case, that's just a little flaw that I found in the movie. The fact that the whole conflict has to do with him seeing something that happened and he's trying to protect the guys but he wasn't even involved so he's actually putting himself on the line for something he didn't do so that's why I feel like it's a bit fucked up because I mean it's not like he doesn't want to snitch is that like he shouldn't be pressed like that I think but anyways um, on the other side Philip Seymour is also sort of asked about this, right? At the end, in like the little court. And he says it, but it's, it, you know, they wanna make it look like it's like the principal wants Charlie, the guy that's not rich, that doesn't have influence, whose dad is not influenced, to actually take the blame so that Philip Seymour doesn't have to take the blame. And then you see how unfair it is where it's like, well, Philip Seymour will only get like suspended, but Charlie, you will, you know, you will get expelled from school, and then obviously all your opportunities for growth in life, you know, will fail. Then you probably become homeless and move to like, you know, LA, California, or some shit. Okay, so that's the flaw that I find. Like that's the flaw. Like that's the flaw. That and Al Pacino, I feel at times was a little too strong on the Al Pacinas. But I let that go because it's like, look, man. Like, you kind of want one of the movies to be, like, super Al Pacino. And this was very Al Pacino. You have the crazy scene at the end, which you can, you know, you can re-see on YouTube. It's, it's, it's super good. Actually, I saw that, that scene on YouTube before I saw the movie. And that's how I actually came to know the movie and then wanted to see it. So, amazing. You're out of order. You want to be a bear, man? You want to be a bear, man? <laughs> I carry bodies in here. I tell you, bear man, you're out of order. Um, but he's great. He's great. 
Um, you know, I saw this movie with my dad. He was visiting me at the time. Uh, he's, he, he left now. He's not, he's not with me. He's back home. But, you know, we saw it together. And it's one of those great movies to see with your dad. Because it's sort of like a dad and son movie, even though the movie is not about a dad and a son. Al Pacino and the kid are almost like dad and son. And he's teaching him the ways and he's like, we're going to New York. And he's like, my dad loved it. Now my dad, every time he speaks to me, he's like, hoo-ha. And I'm like, and I kind of like go with it because it kind of creates a bond. You know, it creates like a little, like imagine like a little, like if you put your hands like this, it's like a little bond. That's, it creates a bond between me and my papa. And every time we look at it, we're like, ah, hoo-ha. And then we laugh about it. And he tells me like, no, you do it. You do it because you do it better. And I do it. You know, it's kind of cute. You know, but yeah, they go to New York. This is another part that's crazy, right? Like the cinema. You always talk about the cinematography. The cinematography is the shit. Like, is why you go for it, right? Like it's really why you do it. And the cinematography in this movie is off the charts. Like when they're in New York, it's this '80s New York. And back then, New York was kind of shitty. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's amazing now. What I'm saying, it was kind of shitty. It was kind of dirty. It was kind of dangerous. And the contrast between that and the beautiful New York where like the rich people live, the nice, you know, buildings are with the nice hallways and entrances and the limos and all that, that contrast makes it even more nice to look at. Because if everything looks perfect, then you don't see the contrast. But when you have New York in the background with the griminess, but then on top of it, you go through the places where shit is fire and then they get the, the red Ferrari. And, and, and if you, I don't know if you noticed, they take the red Ferrari in this like adjacent roads that are sort of in not like a good looking area. It's kind of dirty, it's kind of like alleyways and shit. It's behind like where I think Brooklyn Bridge is. But it, it just looks amazing, the scenes in New York. The fact that he's just like, ah, let me get a limo, take me to the fucking restaurant. Um, Oh, the scene where he's dancing tango with that girl. I mean, that shit is fire. Uh, and, and he was very, very adamant about being called Lieutenant Colonel. Lieutenant Colonel. God, Colonel? Lieutenant Colonel, I said, motherfucker. When the guy would touch him, he's like, you touch me again, I will break your fucking face. <laughs> um... Yeah, my, my dad loved this movie. He felt like, like he just went, cause like, you know what he, he like my dad said a, a comment, he's like, man, if if I, when I was young, like met a guy like that, like Al Pacino, I was I would do whatever he tells me to do. And and that's what Al Pacino sort of like expressed. Like he, he gave you this feeling of like, bro, I know life. I've been there, done that. Uh, you know, I, I might be rough around the edges, but I got the wisdom. So just let me guide you. Although he was a little scary, right? I mean, he would get a little aggressive. <laughs> and then he had that gun, right? And this is the whole thing, right? Like, he wants to kill him. Like, he's spending all this money, which is probably his last savings from all his life, because he's going to kill himself in New York. And you say, fuck life, because I'm blind. Nobody likes me because I'm kind of a piece of shit to everyone. And I just don't want to live anymore. And Chris O'Donnell, the kid, or Charlie, Charlie, finds this, finds this out as, you know, as they're in the trip in New York. 
he tries to save him, right? But he does save him. And then there's that, you know, that scene where they're fighting uh, back and forth with the with the gun, which that shit was scary as fuck, man. Because I'm like, for all this time, you're like, well, this guy's kind of like an asshole, but he's actually good in his heart, you know, Al Pacino's character, Lieutenant Colonel. But then that scene, you're like, oh, this guy's actually crazy. He might just kill me and kill himself like that. And and I don't know what it is, you know, that like he's able to instill in the guy. Charlie to Lieutenant Colonel to like make him want to appreciate life, but for some reason he does, you know, he I remember one day there was like a morning where they wake up and the guy and Al Pacino's character is like, oh, I don't want to do shit and he's like, come on, get up, let's go, you know, like, let's take a ride and and I think some, like that, that scene made me feel like sometimes we take life for granted and and we wake up and there's sun outside and there's birds chirping and there's people that love you and, you know, you got somewhat of of a purpose in life and, and we just like ah oh, fuck this and you know we take for granted how like beautiful life is and how amazing it is that we even exist and that we get to experience it and I know that sounds corny I know it's a little corny <laughs> but it's true like I mean don't get me started I could go cynical right now and tell you about like why life's shit you know but I do that every day you know so fuck that I'm trying to like really instill and try to also guide myself into thinking more on the side of look man the fact that we even get a turn at life you know there's many souls that didn't make it many abortions made the fact that we even get a shot at life with some sort of you know um, comfort and living in an era in time where we're not out there like just chopping people's head and living until we're like 22 we shouldn't take that for granted even if we don't know where we go after this, like even if even if when we die we die like a lizard, like nothing. If you go black, we should be grateful for that. You, I mean, you should be happy that at least you get to do that. So I don't know. It's like this part of this movie where, he, you know, Lieutenant Colonel doesn't want to kill himself anymore, and kind of like, and the kid tells him like, "Hey, you're blind. You think you got problems? Like everybody got problems. Like everybody." Got and it's true. Everyone got problems. Sometimes we think we're the only ones that got problems. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm trying to think of other good um, scenes in this movie. The principal. Uh, let me see if I can see who it is. James Rephorn, Mr. Trask. I find it that this guy is is the perfect like principal that's that's like a bad person, you know, in movies. He's he's always like uh, an authority figure, and he's he always does like you know. I think he's like the dad in in um blank check, maybe. James Rephorn. James Rephorn. I'll tell you though right now. Yep, he's he is he is in a blank check as well. So so yeah, the principal. I mean, uh, he gets told at the you are the board, you are the board. I'll push you to fuck around. Al Pacino riding in that limousine, that's gangster. Ernesto, I think, was the driver. 
he's gangster too. That looked like very like how I think stereotypically New York would be in those days. Like this huge, I mean, maybe still today, like this huge guy with a limo, like, yeah, hey, I'll take you anywhere. And then he's like, hey, can you give me, you know, some love? Can you give me a little <clears throat> now, now? And Ernesto is like, let me see what I can do. And he gets in the now, now. He takes him to the place, like, hey, go to room 35th. She's gonna be waiting for you. And she's one of the best in town. And apparently she was. And he went. Scent of a woman. Because he could smell these motherfuckers. He could smell them. This guy was blind. But then he... You know how like people lose a sense? The other senses become stronger. So he lost sight. Right? He couldn't see. But he could smell. So he would be able to smell the scent of women and he, he would smell it and he's like, oh, you're using this cologne. And she's like, oh my God, are you serious? I didn't know that. And he's like, because I'm blind. And he would fuck her. Like, that's what he did. I mean, we're like missing the point. Like, Lieutenant Colonel was a fucker. He was landing the blind D all over the place. He would be like, hey, you wearing... Where's CVS 79? Oh my god, I didn't know! Come here. Come here, come here, let me show you. Hoo -ah! Hoo -ah! And that's how it would be. You know, plowing, like just doing a damn thing. But yeah, you want Ernesto, the driver, to take you places. That's the type of guy you want, like on your side, you know, just taking you places. Just tell, like, you just tell him, man, can you get this solved? And he's like, let's see what I can do. And he, and he does it. <laughs> he does it. Send of a woman. Al Pacino. Hoo I would give it in the Richter scale. Sorry guys. In the Richter scale, I would give Send of a Woman and a 7.5. I wanna give it a little more, but I will say it does, there are other movies that hit harder for me, but I think this is a staple. And I don't know if this is like a new category, but like a staple, it doesn't necessarily mean it's like the best movie you've seen, but it's like a necessary movie for everybody. I think this is a movie that's necessary for people to see because it teaches you that away from how fucked up your life can be, you can always like help others and contribute to other people's lives. And at the end of the day, even though we're stuck in being successful and being the best that we can do for ourselves individually, the, the most beautiful purpose in life is to purpose others and to, and to help others have a, a better life. And that appreciation and love that comes with that is something that only humans experience. That's why we're special animals that can actually you know, get to those levels of psycho you know, eroticism. So I'll give it a 7.5 cent of a woman. I think it's a fucking staple for everybody to see. Please leave the comments. Tell me what you think about this. Tell me also other movies, maybe classics that you like that I'm happy to watch and review. Um, and yeah, it's the Broski Dudes in the motherfucking bit of movie review with a